0: Welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss a current relevant topic pertaining to the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention.
1: And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We won't let you leave without some headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess
0: baggage. Corrine, I am so jealous that you live in central Mexico because it is... Magical. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yes, magical. <laughs> and for people who think that just going to Cancun, uh, a lot, you know, they can just check off their Mexico box and never return, that is incorrect. You yeah. absolutely need to go back and check out central Mexico like Mexico City, Querétaro where you and Tracy live, and also San Miguel de Allende and I now understand why people go to San Miguel and, and also like, and other central Mexico cities and then decide to just move there because I felt the same thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) of central Mexico. And I know I say that a lot, but this time I actually do mean it. Like I could, (laughs) I could live there at least for a few months. Yeah. um, It looked like you
1: were having some really great experiences. Who was the fam with?
0: The fam was organized by, um, Wanderlux Destinations, which is a rep company. Um, and then the DMC they represent is Nuba, N-U-B-A. Um, and they're the local DMC that helped organize all these different activities. And I had an idea in my head of what I thought it would be like, but going there and actually experiencing it, I feel like it just went above and beyond everything that I had thought. And I learned so many cool facts. And one of the facts that I really loved, and it really showed itself during our our trip there. um, Did you know UNESCO designates like UNESCO cuisines? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Um, So like there are three cuisines that have like the UNESCO designation. And one of those cuisines is Mexican, Mexican cuisine. And I was like, okay, well, let's just check it out. I there was this one day where I had so many new flavors on my taste buds that I have never experienced before in my life. And I just, I'm like, I understand now. Like I get it. I get it. I get why UNESCO has Mexican cuisine on their list. Including a grasshopper. Including a grasshopper. And (laughs) you just have to lean into eating a grasshopper and apparently they eat a, a lot with guacamole and yes. that's how we ate it and yep. it was delicious. Yep. If you just close your eyes, you would think they sprinkled breadcrumbs or something on your guacamole. You wouldn't even yep. know that it's grasshopper.
1: <laughs> I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Of course, I'm, I love it and I love showing people parts of it. We had such a good day with you and I'm so glad you also got to see Mexico City and San Miguel because... Mm-hmm. People don't know what they're missing. They really don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and how much Mexico you can get City, for your money. <laughs> yes, I was going to tell you, it's so cheap. I had some of the most delicious street tacos for 18 pesos each. Which is less That's than a less dollar. less than a dollar. Yeah. Yeah, and at first when they told me 18, I thought they said 80 pesos for a taco. And I'm like, mm, $4 for a taco? That's like a Taco Tuesday special in the States. So, yeah, I'm sure these are like the best street tacos. I'll pay 80 pesos per taco. No, it was 18. Yeah. Eighteen one eight, not eight, zero.
1: <laughs> yeah. The so, other morning we yeah. went out to breakfast when my niece got here and the entire bill for four meals was 80 pesos, which is $4.
0: $4. I'm sorry.
1: Incredible. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was $8. $2 per meal. $8. Oh,
0: a full meal. Well, that's, including that's a, drink. That's a bit too much. That's a bit too much. Four dollars <laughs> I could do, but eight dollars for four people, that's kind of pushing. Really it pushing free. it. Yeah. <laughs> we well, also stayed in some amazing properties. Um, like Mexico City, we were in four seasons, and in San Miguel, we were at the Belmont Casa Sierra Nevada. And what I love about these two properties, especially the one in San Miguel, was that they had very exclusive activities for clients. So for example, in San Miguel, they had an activity where you can go with the chef at the hotel to the market to buy produce and then go to a cooking class and cook with the chef. And that was so much fun to learn how to cook things. And not that I'm going to cook them at home, because as you know, I don't really cook. The only time I cook is when I'm traveling. Um, but it was just really fun to learn what goes into creating these amazing dishes. Um, And they even have like art workshops and stuff like that with the local artist. So something really, really fun that you could really offer your clients for that high touch kind of experience. So yeah, check out my Instagram stories, guys. It'll be under highlights. um, And I'm still rolling out the content right now. So hopefully if you watch it later, uh, you'll still be able to catch some of it.
1: I love it. Uh, Well, before we jump into our discussion this week, we want to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to TravMarketMedia.com where you can find other amazing podcasts to grow and build your
0: business. What's up first? A Travel Age West article by Emma Weissman. Hello, Emma. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one is about how your personality type impacts how you plan, book, and buy travel. I know for a lot of us, we do quote unquote personality tests. Like I really love the Enneagram and you know, obviously a lot of us maybe have taken the Myers-Briggs and there's so many out there and it really gives us a glimpse at who we are as people and how we operate and how we think. And I feel like back when I was going through the Enneagram process, figuring out what it is. I wanted to kind of add that question on the intake form, the questionnaire that I send to my clients to ask them what their Enneagram is because Mm -hmm. it would really help me determine how they think and how I need to communicate with them. I haven't done it, but for the clients that I know what their Enneagram is, that's how I try to communicate with them. And this particular article kind of touches on how personality 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 play (laughs) like what that role plays in travel planning so uh emma writes personality types impact travel booking behaviors according to the state of american travelers june report from destination analysts those who consider themselves to be quote unquote dominant active or energetic for example tend to spend more money on travel Creative types, on the other hand, are more likely to plan trips with others and prefer shorter booking windows, often opting to book a week-long trip in under two months. And people who consider themselves anxious or worried need at least one additional week of planning time when compared to the average traveler. So 11 weeks versus 10 weeks for others. And this is why it matters. Advisors should factor in personality types when qualifying clients. Um, We all know that qualifying clients is important. But it might be time for advisors to get to know their clients on a deeper level. So um, Emma suggests start by asking questions about a traveler's personality, such as, do you consider yourself to be a worrier or are you more go with the flow? And then you use the intel you gather to better inform the trip booking process. So an anxious client may need a longer booking window, while active and adventurous clients might prefer higher end offerings at an elevated budget. Yep. I think it's,
1: if you can catch on to your client's personality from the beginning, it really helps you. Now, I mean, some people just don't care. They're just going to do it their way no matter what. But I try to, to communicate with them the way they need to be communicated with, handhold or another, I think, great question to ask is, do you make decisions easily or quickly? Um, because some people who are indecisive really need more help fewer options, here it is, this or this, and just help them, you know, not get analysis paralysis. I can spot an engineer from a mile away and an engineer needs all of the details patiently explained. They're going to have 700 questions. And it's important for us to understand that person is not trying to annoy us. This is how they make decisions. So we can either be patient and answer all those questions, or if that's just something we can't deal with, then refer that client on to someone else. Uh, But it really helps us waste less time by trying to get an understanding of personality right off the bat.
0: Here are some fast facts, which, we love. Fast as facts. you know, are our favorites. <laughs> Psychographics touch nearly every part of the travel planning process. And I think before I get into some fast facts, like, it is so important to me, and I think a lot of advisors, were, if we've been in the industry for a while, I feel like we have a history of being able to read people well um, in terms of, like, their tone or their facial expressions. And we're able to look into what they're really saying Um, versus like what they actually said. So um, one of the fast facts, active energetic travelers have the highest annual travel budgets at $5,200 versus $3,900 for the average traveler. Warriors are more sensitive to what they perceive as expensive costs right now and plan to spend less on leisure travel than they previously did. In fact, more than 40% of warriors say right now is a bad time to spend on travel. And I will tell you right now, I have a client who is a worrier. She will, um, her anxiety is so high. Like she will definitely take my recommendation on getting in um, to a destination to board a cruise, like at least a day sooner because she's like, I know my anxiety will not allow me (laughs) to enjoy the trip. Um, And uh, so you know, you kind of get a feel for that. And then, you know, okay, I need to offer them this information because I know this is how her brain operates and I want to put her at ease.
1: Yeah. I was going to say too, something you said just a minute ago triggered that sometimes you know how to tell the client and sometimes you realize, and this has happened to me many times, that the client wants a particular answer from you. And so Mm -hmm. they'll just keep asking you the same question over and over. And there are times that I have had to say to someone, I see what you're getting at. I understand the answer you want to hear, but that answer is not accurate. So I cannot give it to you. Mm -hmm. But I I understand what you're hoping for, but that just is not the truth. And usually they're going to respect you for that. I mean, sometimes people are just... Like a dog with a bone, but usually if you yeah. just say, like, I see where you I see where you're going with this, and I would love to be able to tell you that that is the truth, but it isn't. Here is the mm-hmm. truth. Let's move on to the next question. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it says 86% of Americans expect to travel in the next 12 months on an average of three leisure trips in this period. Yowza. That's a lot. More than 63% of respondents say they have a strong degree of openness to learning about new travel experiences and destinations to visit. May I suggest Mexico City, Queretaro, and San Miguel. <laughs> um, <laughs> adventurous, active, and energetic types are, more, are most likely to use their phones to look at travel information, 76% versus 63.1% for the average traveler. Travelers looking for a new romantic partner are more likely to use influencers to plan travel, 34% versus 19.8%. That's a big difference. And use online video resources for trip planning, 48.4% versus 33.1%. Romance seekers prefer to visit new places over ones they have been to before and perhaps unsurprisingly are less likely to want to see beautiful scenery and more likely to want a strong nightlife scene. Guess what? Central Mexico has all of that. Um, (laughs) People who identify as calm or sensitive are more likely to use online resources. When it comes to social media platforms, 32% of warriors pick TikTok over Instagram reels. 28% pick Instagram reels and the rest said neither. Calm travelers prefer Instagram reels with 31.8% picking Instagram reels over TikTok and 24.7% opting for TikTok. And the rest said, neither. That is some good intel
1: right there. Are you yes, looking so for Calm you travelers, travelers?
0: If you're That's exactly what I'm <laughs> Thank yeah, you, I Thank you, Yeah, I love watching TikToks. <laughs> yeah, I love watching TikToks, but I am not a Calm Traveler, um, just personally, but I want Calm Travelers as my clients. So that's when important. I produce content, when I produce content, it'll be Reels for short form video. But um, yeah, I'll be on TikTok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Our next article is what you need to know about credit card travel insurance. I know for me, it's always kind of confusing. I never know how much coverage I'm getting. And I have the Chase Sapphire Reserve, which I think um, is like the Amex Platinum, but not Amex. And I like it because um, you can a lot of places everywhere. don't take Amex. <laughs> and like in Mexico, Amex is widely is widely accepted, but they need a different terminal. So it always took more time. So I'm like, give me Visa, Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know I have good coverage there, but I don't know the ins and outs. So I think as TAs, it's a good idea for us to understand what credit card insurance is about so that when our client is like, oh, I have credit card coverage, you can say, okay, well, you need to check the limits on this, this, and this. It's one thing to say, you need to review the coverage, but it's more authority building and more effective for us to tell them, look at this versus this, look at that versus that, make sure this is where you need it to be um, so that we can equip them better. I don't care if a client wants to use their own credit card insurance, but I don't want them to, like I always say, you need to make sure the entire trip is paid for with that card. You can't pay the deposit with that card and then pay off the trip with a different one. It's not going to be covered. And people don't even think about that until you bring it up.
0: I think the way I pose this topic to my clients is, um, you know, I ask them, I don't know what is important to you when you're looking at travel insurance, because the travel insurance that we provide through third party vendors, they offer X, Y, and Z coverage. And mm-hmm. here are the details, um, or here's the policy quote. You can look through the coverage, um, But check with your credit card company to see if they provide the coverage for what is important to you that you want to cover. Because if they don't provide that coverage for you, then you need to consider getting third-party insurance just for additional support. And um, I really think like an an overall view of what generally credit card travel insurance might provide would be helpful knowledge. But I really don't like getting into the nitty gritty of that because I'm like, I don't I don't have that license message. insurance <laughs> agents exactly. and I don't really want to do like all the research for you. You call your credit card and you ask them the specific questions. I
1: like the way you word that because what I have found over the last thousand years I've been doing this is that people just assume I took travel insurance, whatever comes up, I'm covered, I'm gonna get all my money back. I mean, I even have clients when they choose between credit or cash back and then they'll choose the credit cause it's cheaper. And then the time comes and they're like, Oh, I didn't know I was just getting a credit and I have to send them the email where I explicitly spell out. This one has travel credit. This one gets all your money back. No question. You know? So mm-hmm. there's just not much attention given to the details. So I think when you ask someone, what exactly is it that you want covered that, mm-hmm. Tells them, oh, I need to actually look at the coverage to see what is covered. So I'm going to work that into my language because I like the subtlety of that.
0: I just want um, zero liability, Kareen. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> zero. <exactly. laughs> yes. Cancel for any reason, cash
1: back. Um Yeah. <laughs> So the article's uh, from afar, by the way, and it says, most but not all credit cards provide several implicit travel insurances as benefits for being a cardholder. These insurances usually kick in when charging travel to the credit card or using points for travel. Um, These insurances are collectively referred to as travel protections in credit card literature. So travel protection and travel insurance is really something different. So like you said, a lot of times these third-party companies we use, it's primary insurance, not secondary. And so those are things that you need to consider. Um, so you're usually going to see them under travel protection. So some of the best travel credit cards provide travel insurance as part of their regular benefits and some don't. Depending on, on the credit card, you may be entitled to some compensation under the following insurances. So emergency evacuation and transportation, trip interruption and cancellation, emergency medical and dental, trip accident insurance, trip delay, delayed baggage, lost baggage, and rental car insurance. But I have been digging deeper into this now that I don't live in the U.S. and I don't carry car insurance there, but we rent a car when we go. It's really just the um, collision damage waiver. So I still have to purchase insurance. But for the average... American, if you're renting a car in the U.S., your travel insurance would kick in for some things. But you really have to dig into it to see what is covered. Um, If you want to go take a look at this article, there's actually a little grid that compares some of the top credit cards and what they have and what they don't It's kind of nice to see. I would never advise my clients on which credit card to get, but this is interesting for you if you want to get a credit card for all your travels. Um,
0: and then, of yeah, course, and a lot of these, yeah, a lot of these um, coverages or insurances are very similar to what Um, Our third-party vendors provide in their policy, which I think can get confusing for some folks when they're like, "Oh, my credit card has insurance already, so I don't need third-party insurance." And this is where I go and be like, "Okay, well, just double-check and make sure you compare everything, because if you feel that the coverage amounts, like all the details, you know, covered waiting." Covered reasons, exactly. And I'm not in a position to advise on that, but it's something where they could just, hey, Allianz, for example, they cover this amount, call your credit card and be like, hey, I see this. You know, just ask the people who are the experts in this, the insurance agents, to figure out what it is that they, they might need. Because I, I love travel insurance, but I'm never going to put liability on myself and advise no, absolutely, yes or no, you don't need this. I just tell clients...
1: In these words, I am not a, a licensed insurance agent. Therefore, if you have specific coverage questions, you need to call the company directly at this number. Um, try right. to make it easy on them to find the information, but I can't tell you hypothetically what is covered and what isn't. Um, and then another thing that's important to look at in terms of those details is, say, trip delay protection. How do they define that? Some might be six hours. Some might be 12 hours. Um These are all little details I don't think people really think about at all. And then, like I said before, primary versus secondary.
0: Right. And a lot of times in looking at this grid, there are not very many major credit cards that provide emergency medical and dental benefit, which is the main reason I purchase travel insurance personally is just in case I get hurt Or I like, I don't know, like I run into a door jam or something at the hotel, and I chip my tooth and I need to get it fixed. Um, So like, those are the reasons that I would buy it. But most of the credit cards, if you look at the grid, they only cover things like trip cancellation, interruption, trip delay, baggage delay, lost luggage. So really no protections medically in destination. Well, and something I tell my clients
1: all the time is you paid this amount for this trip. So obviously, it's not a life-changing amount of money for you to part with. But medical mm-hmm. expenses can absolutely be a life-changing amount of money. Right. And so, right. yes, I mean, I think we all lean toward the cancellation protection. But that's not really what could mm-hmm. bankrupt you. But med- medical expenses right. could. Right. Um, and then, of course, you need to check what their COVID policies are because those are all over the place. Um, So it says the takeaway is credit card travel insurance is complicated and policies differ by card. However, it's worth deciphering your card's coverages to know exactly what you're entitled to before booking your next trip to avoid redundant third-party travel insurance. So I think just as you said, Teresa, the key is to say to your clients, you know, most of the major cards are not covering emergency medical and dental you need to see if yours is covering emergency medical and dental and what amounts compare the actual right. coverages. Uh, Cause that's, a and
0: big I think you can, I think you can use third party vendor insurance to supplement what your credit sure. card already provides. So um, whenever I purchase insurance for my own travels is most of the time there, there are smaller trips like fams and stuff like that. Uh, I I know I should get the annual plan, but I don't. I just purchased the insurance for like the minimum amount just to get that medical and dental benefit. Yeah, like a pack and go. Um, Yep. Yeah, kind of like that.
1: I did just get an annual policy just to have that blanket
0: coverage.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly, again, I'm worried about in-destination stuff, not the cancellation. Right, right. You know, we can't tell Everyone them what to buy, different. but we can just point exactly. out some things and h- guide them in mm-hmm. the right direction. Show them you need to take a look at this thing and decide whether that's exactly. really enough for you.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's that. <laughs> Last on the list is another Travel Age West article, um, and it talks about programs that help expedite travel which will uh, come in handy right now since traveling is such a mess or can be Mm -hmm. such a mess. And we all know most
1: about most of this stuff, but it's important to keep in mind so that you can, you know, you can use this information in social media. You could use this in your Mm -hmm. newsletters, your clients, again, in terms of you being the authority, if you point out these things and suggest these things to them that can help them. Honestly, not standing in lines is like the goal of my life. I will pay just about anything to not have to stand in lines. If I get stuck in one, I just deal with it. But um, mm-hmm. you know, so first one, obviously, TSA precheck. It's easy to get. It's not expensive. Speaking of credit cards, a lot of cre- these uh, travel credit cards actually will offer a credit statement for people to get TSA precheck or global entry. Um. If you want the instructions on how to apply for all this stuff, go click on the article. Again, this is all good, uh, juicy stuff that you can use in your marketing efforts. Sorry.
0: I feel like if you're going to pay money for TSA PreCheck, you may as well just pay an extra $15 and get global entry because it comes with TSA PreCheck. Yep. Yep.
1: I regret not doing global entry. Uh, It wasn't about money. I think I may have just misunderstood what the process was. And now it's complicated for me to switch to that just because being in the U.S. and getting interviewed and doing all of that stuff, that's a little trickier to navigate. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's number two on this list.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely worth it. I will leave travel partners behind if they don't have TSA PreCheck or global entry. I'll be like, I'm going to grab a coffee. See you whenever you're finished <laughs> because I similar to you, I don't like waiting in line. And now with things being so busy, flying into Orlando because they had direct flights to and from Mexico city direct nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Coming from Orlando, I feel like Orlando Airport is one of my least favorite airports ever. And it's so embarrassing that I have been wanting to write a letter to the mayor and to the governor about how it's such a poor representation of what Orlando is. Yeah. Like you're coming in and it's such a stressful process. Nothing is organized. And so the line that they have you get into for a global entry is the first line that you hit. So they categorize things by letters like A, B, C, D, E. They have a tiny sign as you're walking up to these lines that say, find what category you're a part of and very small, small letters. And then, you know, you get in line. So the first line was global entry, but the kiosks for global entry was like all the way along the back wall. So you have to go along the back wall to the kiosk and then go against the flow of traffic to get back into line for global entry to be processed. I'm like, who uh, Who is organizing the flow of traffic here? Because this is not working. So I had to end up staying, standing in line for global entry because they had put everyone together, global entry, mobile passport, diplomats, all in the same line. And being so used to just breezing through with global entry, I was irritated that I had to wait in line for global entry, which is a first world problem, I know. But it just goes to show what... Um, How you used to breezing through. Yeah. I am with that. I'm like, why are we waiting in line? Like, I paid money for this. I should be just, boom, straight through. Which most of the time I am, unless I'm going through Orlando. Yep. The last one on the list is clear, which I
1: have never been entirely (laughs) clear on how this works. But... um, Apparently, it allows users to verify their identification via eye and face or biometric rec- recognition technology. So once you're at... There's 50 airports in the US that have them. And also, there's they have it at some stadiums and other venues. But you just go to the kiosk, you scan yourself to be identified, and then you can use that airport lane, which is basically like skipping right to the front of the line. And I think this is really more about... Money.
0: It's it a private 100%, company. 100%. Yep. 100%. About money. And I remember being in JFK and I was connected through JFK. And then I was going through, we had already done immigration, gotten our bags, rechecked our bags, and was going through security again. And so they had a TSA pre check line and they had a clear line. And the clear passengers were getting priority over TSA pre check. So if there was anyone in the Clear line, they would go first before any TSA PreCheck people. (laughs) So Clear is a private company,
1: and the fees are higher than TSA PreCheck. Obviously, it's $189 per year, whereas TSA PreCheck and Global Entry, I think, are three and five years, or both five years, or...
0: Yeah, so TSA PreCheck and Global Entry are five years. So TSA PreCheck on its own is $85. Yeah. Um, and global entry with TSA PreCheck is $100, and clear is 189 per year.
1: Yeah, so that's quite a bit more to mm-hmm. skip not much more of a line.
0: Will they skip that,
1: me? I'll consider it.
0: <laughs> they skip me in TSA PreCheck. Just saying. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly
1: sure why they have Real ID listed as an expediting program because it's going to be required um, but they're just basically saying it's wise for you to prioritize getting this updated form of identification because it will be required across the entire US for May th- or by May 3rd 2023 um, and then they're also listing passports as an ex- expediting program which I think Either they're necessary or they don't. I don't know that that's really going to make anything faster, right?
0: I mean, you could do the expedited process for passport renewals, (laughs) which will decrease the wait time from um, eight to 11 weeks down to five to seven weeks, which is so crazy to me because I'm used to the four to six weeks or the two to three weeks. Yeah, I just booked
1: a client and she didn't realize her husband's passport was expired. So she's on that expediting list and cancel for any reason cash back. So <laughs> we're covered. All right. Should we dive into some headlines? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's time for excess Package, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, Virgin Voyages on Wednesday announced that its third ship Resilient Lady will now debut in the second quarter of 2023. Another one from them says that Carnival Cruise Line has revealed the last zone on its new ship, Carnival Celebration. The ship will feature the Gateway, an all-new zone that pays homage to the process of getting to your Carnival cruise and exploring new destinations. The two-deck zone features design and decor inspired by what it calls the grand terminals, transportation stations, and departure points around the world. Travel Pulse reports that American Queen Voyage has unveiled a new website for consumers and travel advisors to plan and book river, lakes, ocean, and expedition voyages in North America. They also report that leading luxury hospitality company Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts and Gruppo Statuto, one of Italy's preeminent hotel development companies, announced that Four Seasons will assume management of the historic Hotel Danielli. Following extensive renovations, the hotel will be reintroduced as Hotel Daniele Venezia, a four seasons hotel, in 2025. An article from Travel Weekly says that Accor is plotting an all inclusive expansion into the Mediterranean and Caribbean with plans to roughly double its global all inclusive footprint by 2024. Another one from them says that a spike in room rates is expected for U.S. hotels in 2022. Travel Agent Central reports that summer vacation spend is up 91% over pre-COVID levels. Americans' average anticipated spend on vacations this summer is $2,644, the third time the figure has topped $2,000 since the travel insurance and assistance company began tracking vacation habits in 2010. They also report that Germany has removed COVID-related entry requirements And our high note today is from afar. Grand Canyon National Park is hosting a free stargazing celebration. This year's annual star party will take place from June 18th through 25th. Events begin on both the North and South rims at 8 p.m., but according to the National Park Service, the
0: best viewing is after 9 p.m. And that's it for excess baggage. Just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed
1: the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under The Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes.
0: Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the tinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week.
1: Bye!